0: Anyway, it's lit. Yep, we're here, man. Episode 8. Yep, episode eight. Tweet talk and Charles. With the fro. Episode Froby. <laughs> so how you doing, Charles? You know,
1: I uh I have a lot of pressure. Pressure on my shoulder weigh a ton. But, I mean, things. It's, the, it's the good pressure. I'm looking at um, trying to roll out a mobile restaurant.
0: <laughs>
1: a restaurant, a restaurant that I've been working with for a long time. They have some of the best food in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And people would always see me there. And they're like, why are you here? Why are you here? I'm like, just chill, man. I got a plan. So the goal is to roll out this uh, very well-known, very well-respected, high, high-demand restaurant um, The reason why I kind of took business this route is I was kind of tired of creating startups and I wanted to work with an existing brand with a great uh, customer base and cash flow. And so we're not necessarily starting something from the ground up as much as we are just taking something and making it mobile. So I have more details for that later, but um, just another source of revenue. Sounds cool, man.
0: Be a mobile restaurant. Not a food truck, a mobile restaurant.
1: Well, it's like in between a restaurant and a food truck.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I always tell people that when I start something, I start small and I grow it. I don't just hop out there and say, we're going full food truck. Because food trucks aren't cheap, man. Food trucks mm-hmm. are like 100 grand unless you like rent it. Then you can get it for a little, bit big, a little bit less expensive. And so I'm like, how can we achieve the same goal, which is to put this restaurant all over the city without spending food truck money um and i kind of got the idea from jamal or from you know what i forget his name HPC wall street jamaris they took their their wing and waffle place and they took it mobile and i was like dang it's like when you get around people who show you what's possible you just attempt it like it doesn't even have to really be possible for you you just attempt it anyway and there's like that's kind of what i've been for other people is hey you can make money in Detroit. So, like, well, damn, if he's making money in Detroit, I can go to Detroit and make money. Well, damn, if he's making money investing as a group, I can make money investing as a group. So, in a lot of ways, that's why the podcast exists in itself, is to inspire people and show them what's possible. I mean, people chase sports not because it's lucrative, but because they see black people making money in it. They chase rap because they see black people making money in it. So, we got to show black people making money other ways. Anyway, just hustling, man. Getting the barbershop rolling, getting the, the restaurant rolling. I. I'm just creating business after business after business. I tell people, I'm not a real estate person. I'm a businessman. I've always been a a businessman from day one. I just so happened to do do real estate because you make so much more money in in business than you do in real estate. So much more money in in business than you do in real estate. It's money to be made in the business of real estate, but like the, the just buy and hold, like nah. Real estate's just the base. Real estate allows us to do business.
0: In mean, business, you could just make something up out of thin air.
1: That also, yep. 100%. It's called creating wealth for a reason. You create it. Right, right,
0: right. So, um, so you had a post on the blog I didn't get a chance, the, the newest one, I didn't get a chance to read it yet. Uh, saying after that rehab, you know, so tell yeah. us a little bit about that if you want. Yeah, so,
1: man, we had, um, Began investing in Detroit. People know we're in Detroit, blah, blah. And, um, you know, when we first started doing this investment club stuff, I always tell people, like, it wasn't overnight. We spent a whole year looking for properties and talking to lenders and seeing how much money we had and looking at different markets. And um, we, we bought our first property. It was uh, as close to turnkey as you can get it. Really just clean the carpet, clean the house, put a tenant in there as a rent turn, if that's. Um, like a housekeeping turn, like an Airbnb turn. <laughs> um, and then our second property was like a light rehab, cosmetic rehab. All we did is go in there and paint the walls and then put down new flooring. And so we were like, dang, like as you do more deals, you start to get kind of more confident. You You want a new challenge. You don't just want to do cosmetic rehabs over and over again. And then also it's just very difficult to find cosmetic rehabs that are of value. We just happened to kind of stumble upon that. He gave us that one as a gift. And so we uh, started investing for the land bank and the land bank homes are terrible. Homes that have been sitting on the market for years upon years. They've been stripped of everything that you can strip from them. Plumbing's taken out. The electrical is taken out. The furnace is taken out. The hot water tank is taken out. There's water damage. There is, um, the floors look like shit. The hardwood flooring has uh, been rotted through, and that's what we walked into. We walked into a bathroom where there was no tub, there was no toilet, there was no vanity. All there was was the old, dirty, ugly tile. Um, the same thing is true with the kitchen. The kitchen was disgusting. It was laminate flooring. It was just ugly, gross. It was just disgusting. I, I kind of It made my skin crawl just looking at the pictures. I couldn't look at the pictures of it and eat at the same time. It was just disgusting. And... Yeah. You look at it now, I just visited it on uh, Sunday? On Sunday, and it's amazing. The tile looks great, the kitchen looks great, the bathroom looks great, the living room looks great. At one point in time, the living room was disgusting. The paint was just peeling, and now it just looks like a normal house. And it really flexes a muscle inside of you. Like we've tackled the worst of the worst. We've tackled something where we literally had to replace everything we literally went through every single problem that you could go through. We had a squatter in the house. We had break-ins. We um, It was freezing cold in the house so we couldn't even work. It was just, it was intense. But like I always tell people, like at, on the other side of the problems, on the other side of your solutions, on the other side of tackling what people think can't be tackled. Because don't get me wrong, there were people who I trusted like other investors and other contractors who walk through the house and they're like, why would you buy this house? Like you you buy, you buy bad deals, Charles, you buy bad deals again. And now that house is probably worth about double what we're in it for. So we were probably in it for 30 and it's worth 60. And so like, and that's, that's just if we decided to sell it, we're going to put it on the market and it's going to rent for 800 bucks a month. Um, uh, barring uh, rent increases, it might it might rent for more. It probably could rent for 900 bucks a month. Let's say it can rent for, for $9. we are bringing in $10,000 a month or a year. That means we will have gotten all of our money back in three years. All of our money back in three years. So most people don't pay off a home for 30 years. We pay off a home in three years. And at that point in time, our kids just have a cash-flowing asset, no debt. No money in it. And you paid cash for it, right? We paid cash for everything
0: of it. Um, and I I don't mean to interrupt you but hold on a second for the people listening um, some of you may not know who Charles is Charles Ogilvy, aka Todd Millionaire runs a Todd Capital Investment Club uh, Todd Capital Acquisitions uh, investing in real estate right now mainly in Detroit looking for deals nationwide and you don't, let, you don't live in California. Did you even see the property before it was fully rehabbed?
1: So the, the question is, I don't live in Detroit. And the answer is, I did visit the property before it got rehabbed, Okay, which is, I think, kind of important. And that's the reason why I went out there to Detroit this weekend is to go visit the other property. Because I don't, I, you, you want to make sure that your contract is being fair. I didn't want to walk out there and the contractor is like showing me pictures of stuff. But I've heard horror stories. Juan Pablo's like his contractor was sending him pictures of a house that wasn't his. So I was like, let me walk through this house and really see what's going on. So, yeah, I viewed it. I went out there. And I took a whole bunch of pictures. My mentor told me, he's like, you want to take a thousand pictures. Take more pictures than you think you need. Because when you're not there, it's way different. And quite honestly, like a video is still not the same. because the video is moving, a picture, you can stop it. You can analyze and you can zoom in. And so i went out there i took a a bunch of pictures and then we proceeded to manage it from long distance um so after that i didn't see it until about halfway through it being done i flew back out there in like december walked it and this was when um i want to say the tile was down everything was pretty much done except for the furnace and the carpet Um, how
0: how long after acquiring the property was that
1: so you know what's interesting is it actually was a very long rehab so I'm not even gonna lie. It was our first really, really big rehab. And my main thing was, I didn't wanna like give this guy a bunch of money and he disappeared. That was my number one fear. And so I slowly gave him the money, but it slowed down the process. And so a lot of what took this, what made it take longer is the fear. So, um, I mean, we we bought a house that had a furnace ripped out of it. And so I'm over here thinking like, oh, if we put another furnace in there, it's just going to get ripped out. But that's not necessarily true. And so what I learned from that is like a lot of the myths that people have about Detroit aren't true. They're, it's, it's misinformation. And so we put the furnace in there um, in, in fear. We actually held out of putting the furnace in there, which is actually what made the, the, the rehab take longer. Because if we would have put the furnace in there, he could have worked in the cold weather. It gets really cold in Detroit. But because of my fear, which was misguided, we didn't do it. But what I found is that people don't, take the furnace out of like a brand new house with an alarm with a family in there. They take the furnace out of a house that's just been sitting there and been rotting, which is what this house had been doing. And so that's important because it applies not to, not, not just to that, but to everything. A lot of people are so afraid of buying a house and having a squatter and thinking that they're going to have to go through the court to evict this person. You know what I did to get our squatter out? I put up boards and he had to go no court proceeding, none of that stuff. And so a lot of the fears that keep you on the sideline are really not that bad another is property management these tenants never call me i manage three properties that are currently rented three tenants we will have five that are in, in total they never call me bro they never call me the only time they call me is when they're trying to like get a few days extra on the rent but a lot of people are thinking they're going to be getting calls 24 7 about toilets tenants and trash if they don't it doesn't happen um, a lot of these things are just told you to, to keep you clocking in at the job where you think it's safe and comfortable. If you knew how easy it was to make money in real estate and in business, you would do it. I was thinking about that today. I was like, you know what? We're about to roll up this restaurant. Let's say this restaurant yields me an extra $3,000 a month. There are people who don't even make $3,000 a month. And I'm over here making $3,000 in a side venture. Not even my job, not even the real estate, not even the barbershop, not even my own consulting company not even the podcast. I can literally create $3,000 in recurring mu- revenue with my mind just by saying, let's do this this way. Let's buy this that way. And then what's really crazy is the other stuff funds the other stuff. So I'm over here like, okay, this, this little mobile thing to cost us five grand. All right, well, we got some money from the real estate. We can just throw five grand over there. Or tie capital has basically become a bank. So anything I want to fund, I can fund it through my friends my partners my associates who pretty much invest in everything that i kind of recommend to them and so i'm like i can buy anything i want and that's one of the things i posted earlier i was like when you get your friends to promote your stuff and and invest in your stuff there's really no idea that you can't get funded when you try to get like vcs and uh, silicon valley to fund your stuff they might steal your idea altogether or they might what's worse i saw an article recently where they bought this guy's company And they kicked him out of his own company. Wow. And so I realized, like, we are our own bank. We do whatever we want to do. I saw this article. It said that banks make 400% to, like, 3,000% on your money. And I was thinking, I was like, that makes perfect sense. Because they're going to charge. They're going to split it up uh, via fiat, not fiat banking, but uh, fractional reserve banking. They're going to take your $1, turn it into $9, lend it out at 20% interest annually, if not more. And so then they have nine times 20, which is 180% annually. And so we're talking about, it was just a flat percentage rate. So let's say you have it in there for five years and made a thousand percent off of your money and they paid you like 2% per year. Why don't we do that? Why don't we become our own bank? All they're doing is lending you your own money. So um, I just learned a lot, but now I look at rehabs and it's so funny. We walked a, so the house that I bought recently was, has fire damage. And I was like, ah, fire damage, they'll fix it. It's a, it's a dollar amount. There's people who are professionals at fixing fire damage. Um, you might not have the skill set to fix the fire damage, but there's somebody out there who does, and they woke up today like, I need a house to fix. Um, right. And then we also walked a triplex, and the triplex looked about as bad as uh, our Oakman house. if Maybe a little bit better, actually. There's no water damage. In our house, there was water damage. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make two points here. But the first is that after I saw what my contractor could do with that really, really bad thing, I have complete confidence that he can do the same exact thing with his current triplex. It, at this point, it's just a dollar amount. Does the dollar amount make sense? Because at first, I was like, I don't know if he can do this. Like, this house looks bad. Like, people are telling me it's bad. And then after you see what he can do, I actually overpaid him. Like, now on this deal, I got multiple bids to do our Tracy house, which has the fire damage. And I gave him a better deal first because he actually got me the house, but I also picked him because he just does better quality work. And so I was willing to pay him the extra thousand dollars that I would have gotten from somebody else because I just know it's gonna look great when it's done. And then when, it, when that's done, we're going to the triplex. And so now it's not even a matter of like, oh, it's Detroit, it's Detroit. Nah, it's like my contractor, I've seen his work. I've seen what he can do. And now what's really dope is now the goal is to do it faster. Now the goal is to like, you know what, bro? I got a 45 day window on this get in, get out, get it done. 45 days. I'm not waiting no 12 months. I'm not waiting no whatever, like get it done. Like part of me was like, I don't really believe he can do it, but now I know he can. So now it's like, let's get it turn in 45. If not 30, there's a bonus if you get it done in 30. But what's really cool is now that I know how much the labor costs, I can start going extra on the, the finishing touches. So now I'm like, you know what? I don't want carpet in this house. You might not be able to refinish the hardwood. But I want you to put down some laminate because laminate is going to last me a lot longer than that carpet. And the material might cost me 50 cents per square foot more. But the crazy part about it is now I know how to do that stuff. Somebody was like, well, how do you know how to estimate the cost on like the furnace and all this other stuff? I was like, because I've done it. At first, I didn't know what I was. Do. It's like riding with training wheels. At first, I was like stumbling, trying to figure it out. And now I'm just sprinting through this stuff. Um, so that was, I guess. It's kind of like what Trump City buyers says. It's like once you go through something like that and you're scared and you get it done, you're like, oh, I could do this. It's like I got through the worst. But the other thing I was going to say is a lot of people are like looking for that perfect house. They're looking for that turnkey. They're looking for that, that cosmetic rehab. But there's no money in the cosmetic rehab. There really isn't. They're looking for cosmetic rehab because they're like, well, I could do that. Well, F doing stuff that you can do. I need to find some stuff that only a contractor can do because that means there's a deal there. That means that the tenant can't do it. That means that the, the prior owner couldn't do it. And I was talking to a wholesaler, and he was saying, like, he did two flips with his dad, but they're both water-damaged properties. And I was like, wow. Like, our first property was water-damaged as well, and his current property is fire-damaged. And so what you realize is that's where the opportunity is. The opportunity is in fixing what other people are afraid to fix. And the same thing is true in business. The same thing is true in the Black community. If you can solve the problems that the Black community is scared to fix, there's riches on the other side of it.
0: Yes, yeah, like you said on, um, on Twitter today, find deals and fix up deals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, said, you also said black belt investors don't take the lazy route. Yeah,
1: man. I'm reading the Burr Investment book, mm-hmm. which is the book on buying, renting, rehabbing, buying, rehabbing, renting, refinancing, repeating. And while I think that the Burr is a bubble, David Green is an excellent real estate investor. And this book is good because he goes into detail on each of those letters. It's not just a book on the bird process. He goes into detail on how to buy deals. He goes into detail on how to refinance deals. He goes into detail on how to rehab deals. Like it's a very, very thorough and thought out book. And it's actually helpful after you've done some deals. After you've done some rehab, now you're like, okay, I see how I can tweak this more. And so I tell people, like, the thing about me, and this is going to sound arrogant, but I have a lot more degrees than other people. I have a JD, an MBA, and undergrad degree in finance, but I also have read more books than other people, which means I'm more informed than other people. And the more information you have, the more money you can make. There's a reason why Warren Buffett starts his day reading. There's a reason why Charlie Munger uh, promotes reading so much. There's a reason why Bill Gates reads so much. There's a reason why they say that the the top CEOs read 60 books a year. Reading informs you. Reading allows you to take more informed action. The more informed your action is, the more money you make. And so, yeah, find deals and and fix them. Also put out one that said, don't do light rehabs. Find better deals. Because there's no money in the light rehabs. And that quote was directly from the bird book. The money is in the heavy rehab because you can discount it to damn near zero. Like there's probably properties that they gave us because they're like, nobody's going to want to fix this fire damage. Nobody's going to want to fix this. And so they gave it to us for free, not for free, but damn close. I came across it. But the crazy part about it is if you saw me walk through the Tracy house, it looked like that because I spent the money to get it gutted. And so I, I, I was walking through the trade, like when, when I first bought the Tracy house, which is the house that I'm sitting in front of on Instagram, it was terrible. It had fire damage. It had a whole bunch of like burn stuff inside of it. But what I learned from our first rehab, the Oakland house, the house that was like this scary rehab is what we did is we did like a partial gut. And I don't do partial guts anymore. I do gut everything. If we're going to take stuff out, take everything out. Gut it out. Let's start from scratch. And I learned that just because I was like, I don't want to have, I don't want to have half good, half bad. Let's just gut it all. Start it straight from scratch. Get them brand new insulation, yeah. brand new drywall, brand new paint, brand new baseboards, brand new window frames, all that stuff. And I, I just learned it from doing it. I learned it from making mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes in that first job, but there's things I will not make a mistake on now, because I'm thinking through the process. I'm thinking through it from A to Z. So I, there's just value in. And and going through some shit, man.
0: Yeah. Uh. It's cool. You wanna um touch real quick on what is the land bank? So,
1: in in heavily distressed communities, a lot of times the the, the government will take over homes. And at first, I thought this was just exclusive to Detroit because Detroit was hit so hard. But Mm -hmm. Rashonda Scott and them told me they have a a land bank in Chicago. And then I was having a conversation with the people in in Baltimore, and they have something called Bacon to Value, which is effectively a land bank in uh, Baltimore. And so everybody's always talking about, like, oh, I need my reparations, I need my 40 acres and a mule. Well, You can go to the land bank and buy a brand, not a brand new house. You can go to the land bank and buy a house that comes with the land for pennies, like a thousand to two thousand dollars, maybe at the most five thousand dollars. And then, if you own the actual property and it's next to a vacant lot in Detroit, you can buy that vacant lot next door for 200 bucks. It might cost you a little money, but the value and the upside is enormous. There's reparations, there's your 40 acres. The land bank is basically a place where the government, the local government has properties and they let them go for very, very cheap. Now the thing is with Detroit, you can only do one. Like, so apparently this is what it is. You can only buy one at a time if you're a newbie, but after you do one deal, apparently they put you on this list that says you're like a preferred rehabber or something like that. And they let you buy as many as you want at a time. So for us, We could only buy one, even though they had a ton of properties that we wanted. We actually bid on one, won it, but since we already had one, we couldn't buy it. So you live and you learn. We also made that same mistake at the auction, at a tax auction in Detroit in, like, October. Mm -hmm. And um, we didn't put up enough of of a deposit, even though we had the money. We didn't put up enough of a deposit to... to, bid on more than one property and so we got stuck and we got stuck um, only be able to get one and so that is a duplex that still needs to be rehab we're gonna work on that uh, we have a lot of work to do I think we need to spend some money and get that thing in, in, in order but yeah that's where we are
0: so it's cool man um, for those who want to join the investment group for re- for real estate, Launchpass.com slash P slash which one is that one again. Uh oh, you don't have one for the
1: real estate. Yeah, I don't have one for the real estate because man, it's it's so it's so tricky. I'm still trying to figure out all that stuff. I have a, a call with uh, the buy the black, buy back the block group. And,
0: uh-huh.
1: and we might be able to work something out because they have their own crowdfunding platform. So I might have to end up going to crowdfunding but I don't really wanna go crowdfunding because crowdfunding doesn't really serve the purpose. When you crowdfund people invest in your company, they're not investing in the property. And I want people to have a stake in the property, not just a stake in the company that owns the property, two different things. So still trying to figure that out. It's really tough and really complicated and people think they know, don't know. It's so new that people are like giving you conclusions, conclusory Mm -hmm. statements that, that aren't really the truth. So. No lots passed for that just yet, but you can participate in the HBCU Capital, which is going to be doing effectively the same thing. I don't know the link, but we'll have it in the show notes.
0: Okay, so um, touching on that real quick. So you're saying with the crowdfund, you basically just get a return on your money, correct? Right, right. You don't have any kind of ownership stake in the actual real estate. Right, and what's interesting
1: is you, you get a return based on the profitability of the company, not even the profitability of the asset. And I guess they're kind of interconnected, but they're mm-hmm. technically not because you have to think about it. It's kind of like what, with a stock, you have earnings per share or you have net income. So you're effectively getting a dividend. They run the business, the business generates revenue, they pay out their expenses, whatever those expenses may be. And then your money comes out as um, a percentage of the net income. And that's what we saw with the Tulsa real estate fund. Um, I don't think that's what they wanted to do. I think that's what they got pushed into doing because that's of what, that's what the government kind of required and mandated, but their goal was to do what I'm doing. It's just to do what they're doing at the scale and to do what I'm doing at the scale that they're doing at it, It's probably like a regulation nightmare. So that's why, like, I'm not in a hurry to add a bunch of people because all I'm doing is creating a bunch of headaches. People come in and they ask me a million questions, you know, they break <laughs> everything out to them, to explain to them how we do business. And then I'm basically giving away trade secrets. I'm basically, like, giving away the game. But that would be okay if people weren't going out and copying what I'm doing. A lot of times people go out and they're like, well, dang, I can do what Charles is doing. He already told me how to do it so they go out and they create their own investment club, they create their own group and so I have to protect what I have while being transparent but a lot of times people ask questions that are on the tearing edge of uh, trade secrets somebody booked me for a consultation call and they proceeded to ask me how I do everything, they're like well how, how do you do this how do you structure this, how do you formulate this and I was like bro like this isn't a consultation call, this is a I don't know what to call this thing, I'm not giving you the game I didn't go to school and <laughs> Read all these books to give it to you. You can go read the books.
0: <laughs> yeah, Back the real quick on the real estate fund. I was kind of confused when he started getting close to launching it, and he started talking about IPO and giving mm-hmm. out shares. I'm like, I was like, wait a minute, wasn't he talking about an IPO? I thought, right, just buying real estate. But
1: I mean, I still invested in it
0: because I think they're doing a great work. Like if you look at
1: what they've acquired, man, all that is black owned. Now they right. bought the office building, they bought multifamily property. Like that just shows you what we can do when we work together. Like all the regulation, all the technique, I don't even, I, I forgot the money's even over there. I don't care about no ROI. They could give me mm-hmm. a 50% ROI and I'm like, all right, that's cool. I don't care about the ROI. All I care about is us owning shit. We give okay. so much money to pastors. Who go out and buy Bentleys and go out and buy homeless for their family or go out and buy Benzes for their kids and Jordans for their kids. But we don't do anything to build up our community with that same money. That makes no sense. If you can give the pastor billions to build this mega church just so we can bring in more people who can give him more money, why not just build up your community without expecting an ROI? You don't expect an ROI from the church. Why do you expect right, 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 right. an ROI from, from Jay Morrison? And I'm religious AF. I go to church every Sunday, I give, I tithe, I believe in all that stuff. And quite honestly, I think you can do both. You can give to your community and give to your church. Jews do it all the time.
0: Right. i right, was right, right, right. about to say something real quick. Uh, um, it's funny you said that, but the crowdfund, because it reminded me of what Grant Cardone says about REITs, let's see if you, agree i mean i think it's pretty much true he's grant cardone said investing in a REIT is not really investing in real estate
1: you're
0: <laughs> it's just a stock you're investing in paper you're investing in a company that's investing in real estate right right but you don't have any ownership in the actual real estate exactly it's, it's the same thing it's, it's
1: like a crowdfunded REIT
0: <laughs> so a REIT a REIT isn't really real estate investing if you buy i mean I still kind of like them for like, if, if, it, if it's a REIT that's going to pay me monthly dividends, I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 I still want to buy it. Yeah, but it has its place. But you know, I just I know mean, what it is.
1: The, the
0: thing I'll is, invest in it for cash flow. But
1: The thing is, is like you have to qualify this idea of real estate investing because I was having a conversation in the office and somebody asked me a question. They said, hey, I'm thinking about buying these homes. Uh, over near my my college campus, like, should I do it? And I was like, the thing about what you're asking me is you're asking me if the home was going to make you money when it's not necessarily the home as much as it is the deal on the home. Is there value there? Is there a bargain to be had? Homes just uniquely possess the ability to do certain things that other assets don't do. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you make your money on the buy. You don't make your money just because it's a house. Because you can buy a $200,000 house that's worth $150,000 and it's still a house, but did you make any money? No, you overpaid. The reason why people are able to make money in real estate is because they're able to buy from distressed sellers. And so that's why I said, like, we don't necessarily invest in homes as much as we invest in distress. And so distress creates the opportunity. The home is merely just an outward manifestation of that opportunities. So for example, um, you buy a house that has a bunch of deferred maintenance. There's an opportunity there depending on what the numbers are um, as it pertains to the maximum reliable out offer because that owner likely didn't have the amount of money to put the repairs into the house. So, so they're gonna take a discount on their equity because they couldn't afford to pay um, for the repairs. If they could repair pay for the repairs, they'd sell it at retail, but they can't. They don't have twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 sitting in cash. And so therefore, they end up having to give it, get a deal so they can just get a little bit of money out of the deal. Or if they're facing a foreclosure, they're going to get nothing. They'd rather not have a foreclosure on their record so they just pay you to take it off their hands. Or if they're facing a divorce, they have to liquidate it so they can split the money up with their spouse. There's so many different things in that book. They talk about the three different types of distress. One is personal distress, which is like the divorce the getting laid off, that kind of stuff. The other is property distress, which is the deferred maintenance, the roof, the the furnace, the hot water tank, all that stuff that's really expensive to repair. Updating the, the the kitchen, and then the other is um, economic distress, and that's just where the market goes down. And so many people are waiting for the market to crash, and I feel like it's misguided. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: I would just say that um, I forgot the question again. I was just rambling. What was the question again? <laughs>
0: I don't even remember. Um, but uh, for those listening, go to the uh, Todd Capital blog. That's capitaltodd.com slash blog. You can read Charles's post about the three types of distress. Yeah. I got, yeah, I got that, also that from book.
1: that book, man. I got that from the book, but it makes me sound intellectual because I can <laughs> read books and share ideas. Reading books puts you ahead of your peers. Um, so yeah, that's my read books uh, shout out for the moment.
0: All right. Advice for the day: read books. Read books. The library. It's free. <laughs> Go. Some of the books are old, but there's nothing new under the sun. So, get to the library, folks. If you can't afford an Amazon account or something, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> But in case people didn't catch that one before, what Charles was talking about is the old saying about you make your money when you buy, not when you sell. Right. Right. And it's, it's like people ask me that
1: question all the time. Like, can I make money? Like, the reason why we can make money in Detroit is because of the rent as it compares to the purchase price is astronomical. It doesn't make any sense what we're able to do out there. And so that's why we do it. If there was no value there, we wouldn't be there. Somebody sent me a deal in my DMs. And he was like, oh man, I see you invest in Detroit. Do you invest invest elsewhere? I was like, it depends on the numbers. And so he sends me this deal. It's $100,000. It's -hmm. in Texas. And the rent is $850. So if you know how mortgages work, typically a mortgage payment is $600 per month for every $100,000, right? Okay. So he said that the rents were $850. That means you're going to make $250 per month gross. That's not factoring in taxes, insurance, maintenance, vacancy, all that stuff. You're basically going to be renting for free. Granted, if the house is worth $100,000 as it pertains to the 1% rule, the rent should actually be about $1,000, if not more. But the thing is, I can buy a house in Detroit for, for $30,000 and make 800 bucks a month. Why would I pay three times that and make $800 a month? I wouldn't do it. The only justification for that would be that you could probably, if you, if you can house kind of like FHA it, you, get, you might be able like to get in there for three and a half percent. So you might be able to buy this house for $3,500 and then rent it out. But if it's already occupied, you can't justify that. But what you might end up having to do is going non-owner-occupied conventional mortgage and putting 20% down. So then you're out 20 grand on a $100,000 house to make $200 per month, which is $2,000 per year, which is a 10% return on investment. If you go to Detroit, we're getting a 40, 50, 60, 70% ROI. It doesn't make any sense. That's why we're in Detroit because the value is there. The numbers make sense. We don't buy homes. We buy numbers. And that's what's like so frustrating is because people think people are looking for a silver bullet. They're thinking, oh, if I just buy a rental property and house hack it, then I went, oh, if I just buy a house and it appreciates the value, then I'm like, no, it takes a lot more thought than this. And that's why I tell people, like, I have a degree in finance. I'm getting an MBA. I have a law degree. I understand how things work not just how real estate works. I understand how the economy works, not just how real estate works. I understand how interest rates work. I understand how um, inflation works, not just how real estate works. So there's people who are making money now. What happens when things change? They're gonna have to learn a whole new thing. But the problem is they don't know enough to think ahead of the change. I told people you gotta think three, four, five steps ahead, not just in front of your nose, because that's what people get taken. You got to be educated. You got to be informed. You can't just be out here trying to take shortcuts looking for a silver bullet.
0: So I saw you you put on Twitter house hacking is the new Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Explain that one. Always make that voice. (laughs) So
1: (laughs) I don't like nothing that's popular. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I'm starting to realize that like, there are a lot of people who are doing what we're doing, who are outside of that core group of the Instagram people, and so like, I was on some random person. She found me, um, and I looked on her page, and she was pregnant, and then I looked on, and I saw who she's. She's like, getting married to this dude, and I looked at his page. He's a real estate investor, and I was like, damn. So like, everybody invests in real estate, and so i was thinking about this because rashana scott she's a realtor i've talked to her a lot and like her number one thing is like selling people with house hack but my problem is this when something becomes popular it gets priced in and so now people are selling homes knowing somebody can just house hack it and so what happens when somebody buys a house that they can't afford to pay their rental or the mortgage on if they lose their tenant It's the new Bitcoin because the average Joe is buying something and is saying, I'm just going to house hack it.
0: I'm going to house hack it. I'm going to house hack
1: it. And so when something becomes so popular that like the average everyday person who doesn't live in this stuff is out here trying to do it, I get scared. And that's Mm -hmm. how Bitcoin was. When my uncle and my mom asked me if they should invest in Bitcoin, that's when I knew it was like at the top of the bubble and that's when it crashed. That's when it went from 20,000 to damn near 4,000. And so when people just start, like you gotta, in order for it to be an advantage, everybody can't know about it. Otherwise it's not an advantage. It's, a, it's, it's just, I don't even know what to really call it. And so that's kind of where, where house hacking is. Everybody's trying to do it. Realtors are selling you on it. One of the things that scares me about realtors is a lot of them aren't very educated. They're just somebody who was pretty who took a test. <laughs> like it's it's like that's what you see. Like realtors are just like bad bees who just like they're just like they're like models that sell homes. Models that like give you a home tour. They're not educated, they're not astute, they're not scholars, they're not financiers. They're just a girl who likes pretty stuff who's like, oh buy this, oh look at my booty. Like if you look at like I don't know if you saw this this meme, but there's this meme of like this dog with a big butt looking back at it. And it's like, oh, my name is this and this I'm your realtor and look at this house. And it's like, that's what it's turned into. But the problem with that is that people are betting hundreds of thousands of dollars on a big booty. It's not like not even sound economics. It's just like, she's pretty. I must buy. I made a mistake buying my first engagement ring like that. Like I bought an engagement ring for my wife and like, the salesperson was very pretty and like like they do that for a reason they have pretty sales women for a reason i ended up buying a ring that really wasn't that great i probably paid, overpaid for it and then like two years later i had to like upgrade it and so now i upgraded my wife's rings but <laughs> i say that because it's like if i can make that mistake on a little engagement ring people are out there making the mistake buying homes with somebody like you know what you ever go to a dealership and you buy a house And the salesperson's like, well, don't worry about what the interest rate is now, because in six months you can refinance it. And then you find out six months later you can't refinance it. And then a year later you can't refinance it. And two years later you can't refinance it. That's kind of what I see house hacking. When I saw realtors selling things, like, even like multifamily. Like, I am a scholar. I study this shit. It's 10 o'clock. We're talking about it. I live this shit. That's all I know. I'm so glad finance came back in bold. Because for the longest time, we couldn't get no love in finance. But that's why I can spot the bubble in multifamily. That's why I can spot the, the bubble in all these different things people are doing that they think is a hustle. I just, I just, when I say Bitcoin, I mean, it's just a bubble. Um, I wish I could, a, a multifamily, I, I call multifamily the, the, the new Bitcoin as well. Because everybody's like, well, I just, I just put a multifamily. I just a multifamily. Like, you don't know shit about shit. You just know somebody told you multifamily where it's at. You're gonna go lose. If you've seen um, my my podcast with Hood Estates, they um, they Hood Estates they do the trucking thing. They created a course. They've been making money in trucking, and they went and they had somebody enroll in their trucking course. And the girl said she went and she did it, and then she talked to her uncle, and her uncle told her to do something else. Her right. uncle, her uncle is the person telling somebody to get into multifamily. Her uncle is the person telling somebody to house hack. Like he doesn't know shit about shit. He just heard something, and so he told her. And she's like, "Well, I don't know shit, so I might as well just listen to what he's saying." And she goes out there and she messes stuff up. There's a lot of people who aren't getting educated. They're trying to take educational shortcuts by getting tips. People who send me DMs are like, "Can you teach me how to invest and just give me some tips?" Like, no, bro, go do what I did because I know the stuff inside and out. I didn't just get a tip.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, we won the whole game in a DM. That's crazy.
1: <laughs> I mean, and it's more fulfilling when you know everything, because then you can pivot. When the market turns, I'm like, okay, I see what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. The DM. So funny. Some guy told me today uh, I made a comment on somebody's post on Instagram, and the guy commented on my comment, and he's like, inbox me. I'm like, what the heck do you he want? Mm-hmm. I, I DM him, I'm like, okay, Hello, what's up? And was later, nobody replied to me. I'm like, that was <laughs> a waste of time. But, man, people are some weirdos
1: on the internet. That's why you know what I'm doing these days? I put out a post and I was like, I creatively put together this real estate deal where we could, instead of buying the property from our from our contractor, we would just pay the money to rehab it, which then would allow us to cash flow it, and then pay him out of the cash flow, which saves us about twenty thousand dollars because the tenants are going to pay for it over the course of however many months. And somebody was like, "That sounds like a scam."
0: Right. So, and,
1: and it, instead of like me challenging him, I just asked, him like, "Well, how? How do you figure it's a scam?" He didn't have they never never say, replied,
0: right?
1: Right, because people don't know shit. They said it sounds like a scam. He didn't say it is one, or I think it is, or it is one because of this. He just said it sounds like one, which basically means there's no shit. And I found that every time I get into a disagreement with somebody, it's because they don't know shit. And mm-hmm. so we get into an argument, and I got to teach them. I'm not doing that anymore. Now I'm just like, well, enlighten me. You teach me. Explain <laughs> to me why that is the way it is. Because I'm genuinely curious why you believe that. I'm not debating, because I gotta, I got to reach out and cite some sources. I never say anything that's just me talking. It's always a source attached to it. And so, like, what frustrates me is the internet has given everybody a voice and they feel as though they just know what they're talking about, even if they have no results. And that's why I focus on results, bro. You can't move to Bel Air with an opinion. And I'm trying to get to the, to the move on up, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah, so you stand in Kelly, right? I don't know what the heck I'm doing, man.
0: <laughs> I mean, one day you're talking about how you want to do something in downtown LA, then next thing you know, F. Kelly, I'm getting out of Kelly, prices here too high. I told Rashawn Scott I'm bipolar.
1: So I go like from one high to the next high. I contradict myself and I'm bipolar.
0: I was just looking at him laughing. I just wanted to I just want to um reply to that. Oh, F Kelly, I'm moving to Baltimore or whatever. I was, I do, poor little letters, DTLA. Like. Man, I was looking
1: at a house, though, in Baltimore. It was like a three-bedroom house. And they wanted like 200 grand. It was a full rehab. I'm like, this is nuts. California is 200 grand. you living in the hood. Yeah. If, you, if you can even find something for $200,000. It does not exist. I'm sick of this shit. i have a friend he moved out to texas he got a great house he was in california and they had like this little raggedy place in in like the ghetto of los angeles and they moved to texas and they bought a brand new house they put a pool in the back of that house they got brand new cars and now his mom's moving out there she got a brand new huge house and i'm just like this shit sucks i fucking hate california but what I think is they're incentivizing us to leave the state. And so you'll see homes like that in, in Atlanta. You'll see homes like that in Texas. You'll see home, homes like that now in Detroit. Because my thing about Detroit is, like, I, I, I'm okay with living there, but I don't want to live there in the hood. I don't want to live there next to my tenants because uh-huh. it's dangerous over there. So I, rent, I rented them there, but I wouldn't live there. Mm-hmm. But I found some neighborhoods that are pretty affordable that are nice. And I'm like, okay,
0: I can move here. I could do this. For those listening, if you already live in the hood and you don't have an investment property, still you could still live in the hood and invest in the hood and live in the hood. Right. No, like, you know, Charles is already out in Cooch Rajkukamonga, wherever he is, man. So don't <laughs> It's different. It's a different circumstance. I've
1: never lived in the hood of my entire life, which is nothing it's not a knock against anybody, but I'm just saying like there's a lot of money to be made in the ghetto. Make that money.
0: Right. Yeah. So let me t- ask you something real quick, like kind of like way off topic. Um said business. Business by its nature is difficult. Most businesses fail to meet the high standards of black people. You know what's yeah. interesting that I,
1: I'm listening? What's, what's really going on? Touch
0: on that one real quick. Because somebody's, yeah, risk- you know, like we got to step up for our customer service or mm-hmm. this and that, product supply, yeah. stock on the shelves, all that stuff. I just feel like.
1: Um, I feel like there's so much to say, but I would just say that the, the, the crux of that whole statement was that, um,
0: We kind of hold our own people to some ridiculous high standards. Right, exactly. We, we
1: set ourselves up to fail. And then we're like, oh, well, you failed. So I'm just going to take my money over to the white community. I'm like, it's like a double loss. It's a loss because now you take the dollar out of your community, which means you take the wealth out of your community. But it's also a loss because now you're taking jobs out of your community. You're taking families out of your community. You're taking a tax base out of your community. So, like somebody said, that integration was like one of the greatest tricks pulled on the African American community and that. They integrated our dollar, but they didn't integrate us. They took your money, but they still kept you out there as an outsider. And if they did right. take you, they took the best of you and they left the other 90% out. And so I just, I just feel like we tend to be self-defeating. That's what it is, self-defeating. It's so funny because like, in a lot of instances, it's not white people that hold people back, it's black people that hold people back. And it happens so often that people don't even realize it. Like for every, like there hasn't been a lot of cop shootings, but there's still a lot of nigger shootings. (laughs) Still going on. Every time I'm on the internet, like we lost another And I'm like, how come when it's us killing us, we lost somebody, when it's them killing us, it's time for a revolution. But there's more of us killing us. Like, if you really wanted a revolution, you would solve the bigger problem, not the convenient problem. The problem is it's easier to change white people than it is to change ourselves. Because a lot of us are some knuckleheads, man. At least they have some sense. And so they might hear you and rationalize with you. Um, and so it's frustrating. But again, I lost the question. I would just say that We have to do business with our own to a fault. We got to do business with our own despite our failures and our imperfections Mm. because everybody has failures and imperfections. So if we only do business with with people who do perfect business, we wouldn't be ordering from behind bulletproof glass. We wouldn't be ordering a place where we get walked around and followed. We wouldn't be ordering at places that serve fake food. Like if our expectations were that high, keep that same energy, bro. Keep that same energy when you go to McDonald's and you order that burger that's not really a burger. Keep that same energy when you you go to Norman Neiman Marcus and they treat you like you don't belong there. Keep that same energy. No, when we encounter those circumstances in those environments, we protest for the right for them to take our money. But if you go to a black business and they treat you like that, you just take your money away. You're like, no, I'm not, I'm not supporting you. I'm taking my money over here. So my problem is like, it's self defeating. It's the hood. The hood is self defeating. If you go to the hood, it's people who want to rob you, who want to take from you, instead of who want to do business with you and create with you, or who want to build up things with you. I don't understand why we're like that. I really have no idea, but I can spot it. And I don't even know, man. I just know that tomorrow's Blessed Black Man Friday. So hopefully you bless a black man, even if he's undeserving. We give to so many women that are undeserving. Bless a black man who's undeserving. I was in the train station and I tried to give a black dude some food and he was like, nah, I don't want the food. Even though he looked like straight shit. Um, But I was like, you know what? He wanted the money so he can buy drugs. But I feel like, who am I to determine what you spend your money on? But one thing I realize is he'll either realize the drugs aren't really helping him or he'll die or go to jail. But at least I gave to him. At least I did my part. Because like I said, the values and the give, I am blessed because I give. Um, and it's, if, if we don't save us, nobody else will. So I got to say about that, episode number Ocho. Yep. I'm, I'm out.
0: All right, man. What's going one.
1: Yeah, check out everything we have going on. Link's in the bio. Check out Tape. Check out the Millionaire Podcast. Check out Trade Talk, or (laughs) Trade and Travel with Terry. Check out um, Erica's Classy Climb blog. All these great things. The August meetup is coming up August 13th. I got to get that posted. Um, Also check out the store, gumroad.com backslash talk capital, and gumroad.com backslash tweet talks.
0: Yep, so for the audience we just launched some uh, merchandise for the podcast. Yeah, man. You said slash tweet talk. All the all the
1: bless a black man merch goes towards blessing black men. So help us bless black men. If you aren't in downtown LA or anywhere near it, help us bless black men by supporting the store, getting a shirt. Because, you know, black women have black girl magic. They got black girl this. We need some black men something. Because there's no sense in having half of the black family functioning. It's great the women are doing well, but we got to put that same energy behind
0: our brothers. True. Can't build a half the family. Can't. Nice. Right. So that's Tweet Talk, episode eight. We out. Peace.